is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 421, recorded on Tuesday, March the 5th, 2019. Fat Tuesday. Is that what this is? Fat Tuesday? Fat Tuesday. Sweet. Did Uh, you have pancakes for dinner? No. Isn't that the tradition? Me neither. (laughs) This is the first time I've actually recognized that it is Fat Tuesday. And, oddly enough, I remembered what it means. Tomorrow starts uh, Lent. Okay, well, I didn't even realize that was happening right now. Shows what I know, which is not much. 40 days until Easter. 40 days until Easter. Well, I was more focused on the fact that I discovered this morning that this weekend we change the clocks again. We spring forward. No. I'm pretty sure. Unless whoever told me that was lying to me. Can't be that time of year already. I've been rejoicing in the amount of sunshine we've been getting in the last couple of uh, weeks, but uh, I didn't know it was that time already to spring forward. Well... If it is, you are about to get more sunshine and it's going to be amazing. I know there I are people- I get exactly the same amount of sunshine. I'm, I'm usually up before the sun comes up and I go to bed after it goes down. So I'm pretty sure I get the same amount of sunshine. Well, maybe. You but- and I differ on uh, Eastern or in the, on the time change uh, philosophy. You think it's better. I don't. Yeah, I think it's way better. And I think anyone who disagrees with that doesn't live in the a northern climate and uh i do and i disagree you're all wrong (laughs) (laughs) no i i just i i i value the extra daylight time so much uh because when it's all dark all winter like i hate waking up in the morning when it's dark out i absolutely hate it what does that have to do with the time change? You get the same amount of sun regardless of what time it is. But I have to wake up at the same time. And when it's dark at 6.30 in the morning or whenever I wake up, that sucks. When it's already light out, I find it so much easier to get out of bed and get going for the day. Oh, no, I'm the opposite. I like it when it's dark. I feel like I got up early and then I've gotten to jump on the day. Oh, no, I don't get that at all. And and, and I, I, I love it being light until 9.30 at night during the summer. You know, that's amazing. It just makes the... Summer seems so awesome. Anyways, I'm pretty sure it's time-changing weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to the official start start of spring, which is in a couple of weeks, uh-huh. uh, March 20th, I think. And that is going to be very exciting because I'm sick and tired of this winter, I'll tell you. I'm tired of the friggin' ice pile that's in the, my front yard that's supposed to be snow. I can tell you that. Yeah, I'm tired of all of it. It's It needs to go away. Winter ice needs to stop raining down from the sky. And we need to get on with some spring. I did hear some birds chirping the other morning when I woke up, and that made me think of spring. So it's all, you know, it's all coming up Millhouse soon yeah, for all I of us. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, now that that's out of the way, we are here to talk about Season 9, Episode 12 of The Walking Dead. And I think without further ado, we should jump right in. Okay, my friend. Here we go. The And this episode of The Walking Dead is called Guardians. Thank you, Daniel in Worcester, England, and Dave in Maberly, Ontario. Oh, nice. Maberly. It's it's basically an inter... I, if I looked up the place correctly, Maberly is more or less an intersection on, uh, you know, Highway 7 up by Ottawa. So, Well, there's a whole bunch of Highway 7s. Well, right? the Highway 7 that leads... That's part of the Trans-Canada Highway at that point 
sort okay. of a little bit. I think it's a little bit south uh, west of Ottawa. It's at, like near Perth, maybe. Yeah, yeah, not far from there. I love Perth. That's that's a that's wonderful country out there. Well, it's it's very very nice. Um, good old Maberly, <laughs> an intersection on the Trans Canada Highway. <laughs> awesome. Uh, no offense, Dave. Thank you for that title read. Very much to you and Daniel. Those were wonderful, and if you'd like to do a title read, by all means, record yourself reading the title of an episode, email it into us at TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com, and I will play it on the show if I can. So let's start the episode, Jason. We begin with the Whisperers. They're walking through the forest, and of course they're on their way somewhere, but we now have Alpha, and she's got Lydia back, She's asking her about the hilltop and what was going on there and what she told them and what she learned. And basically Lydia says, well, I lied to them so they'd trust me. She says they have farmland, some supplies, some basic weapons. And Alpha asks about any trade and she says she doesn't think so. Now, why would she ask about trade? Well, I think she wants to know if there are other communities, if there are more people around than she might know about. You think she's wondering if, uh, you know, if I attack this, uh, this place, that if anybody else is going to come and help? That might be it. Or, or simply just trying to get a feel for the general area population. Is it just this one community or is it lots? You know, are there, are, let's say there's a few dozen people at Hilltop, maybe a few, maybe a bit more than that. You know, Lydia or Alpha wants to know, is that all I have to deal with here? Or am I talking about hundreds of people across multiple communities? Yeah. I just, I, I wondered why she was asking that question. It didn't make any sense to me. Well. But I, I appreciate your, uh, your thoughts because that helps. Sure. The other thing is, of course, this revealed something to us because we know that Lydia knows about the kingdom because Henry mentioned that to her, but she doesn't reveal this information to Alpha. Yeah, she's a liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? She's a liar too, or she's withholding something here. Um, but her mom calls her, uh, or Alpha calls her a good liar later on. Says, uh, you know, don't sell yourself short. Uh, you're a good liar. You're a good liar. Yeah, that's high praise for your, your children. <laughs> it is. It is. Right? I'm a good liar, but I don't do it for evil anymore. I only lie for good. Right. Well, that's important. If you lie for good, then, you know, you can hardly even call it lying. Uh, yeah. Sort of. Like I lied to my, my then fiance, my now wife. Uh, she thought that, uh, I was not going to propose to her for a very long time Mm -hmm. when in fact I had the ring in my pocket and I carried it around, carried it around with me for a long time and I didn't tell her about it and it would come up and I would lie. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, that's probably a good lie. Sure. Like it would, it would go something like this. Hey, Jason, are you going to propose to me? And you'd say, hell No. Why would I do something like that? Maybe if you got some plastic surgery. (laughs) What? (laughs) I didn't expect it to go there, but okay. That got dark pretty quick. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, let's uh, keep going here. Um, Alpha indicates to Lydia that that isn't enough information, that she didn't gather enough information. That's just, sorry, I didn't listen to what you said. I was thinking about what I said. Uh And uh, I just wanted to say that the only reason I said that was that uh, that would be the kind of thing that you would not want to say to anyone ever. Uh, Yeah. Not that I was thinking that at the time. Especially (laughs) especially someone that you were thinking of, you know, spending the rest of your life with. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously my wife doesn't need uh, plastic surgery. No, no, no. 
Oh, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> this, that's why it's kind of weird, actually, that, that, that just came out. <laughs> yeah. No, I read an internet joke earlier today that kind of stuck in my head, I guess. All right. All right. So, Sorry. What did you say, Chris? Let's go back. To Alpha, she indicates to Lydia that she this isn't enough information. You didn't get enough info about these people. And Lydia questions her if, you know, is information the only reason you came back for me? And Alpha's like, that's a stupid question. Right. So I, I think the answer is kind of, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I, I still don't quite understand it, but we'll get more into that a little later. All right. But I, I mean, this is it for for the uh, the cold open here. And I got to say, I, I liked this cold open. I thought it was a bit all over the place, but what they're doing really well here is I felt like it was a little bit hard to tell what side Lydia is on and even what Alpha's intentions are, you know, is we, we don't really know. And at one moment, I thought maybe Alpha might have allowed Lydia to get caught in order to gather information. And then a second later, you know, I don't think that was the plan. And that was sort of a last minute thing she wanted to do. Um, and I must admit, I kind of felt a few parallels here between how Daryl was using Henry to get information out of Lydia without Henry's knowledge, maybe Alpha was doing the same thing with her daughter, like sending her in there to get information without her even knowing that she was kind of being used that way. Right. Well, this is one of the reasons you have kids, right? So you can manipulate them into doing stuff for you. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I had kids so that when they're older, they can shovel the snow, cut the grass and... Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to... I've, I've already purchased a lawnmower for Jasper. It's a little thing that, you know, spits out bubbles. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, we had one training. Of those. We had one of those. It's great. Yeah. He, our kids yeah. loved it. <laughs> yeah. He tried to dig it out. of It was left in the yard. He tried to dig it out of the ice and snow the other day. We couldn't get it out. Oh, yeah. It's frozen to the ground for a while he was, yet. He was very upset. Well, I mean, lawnmowers aren't for shoveling snow. He'll he'll learn that. Yeah, he has a shovel. He used that. That's okay. fine. Good. <laughs> um, and the other thing I wanted to say here is that uh, again, Cassidy McClincy, who plays Lydia, I think is doing a bang up job in every scene she's in. Ever since she's been on the show, I thought she was great. And I think she has this amazing ability to constantly look just on the edge of terrified and confused. She, she, it feels like she is always super afraid and doesn't quite know what's going on at any given moment. And I think that's really working for the character, to be honest. Yeah. So it, uh, yeah, she's doing a great job. Hopefully that's not, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are like that all the time. Hopefully, uh, hopefully she's not like that all the time. And this is a character she's putting on. Well, even if she is like that in real life all the time, it's working for the character. So I think oh, she's okay. Doing we might as well get paid for it, right? Might as well. Yeah, that's right. If you're going to walk around, no idea what's going on, then. Yeah. If you're going to be terrified and confused all the time, try and find a job where that's your thing. Yeah. It's, she's done it and it's, it's great. It's working well right. here. So I, I commend her. Uh, we have the opening credits and I don't know if you noticed, but there was a change in the opening credits this week. I absolutely did not notice. Yeah, well, at the end, when the camera swings around that single walker, well, he's not single anymore. There's two more walkers in behind him. In fact, one of them is a walker. One of them is a whisperer because you can mm. see the seam up the back of the head. So they added a couple of kind of silhouetted characters in there, which I thought was awesome. Cool. No, I did not notice that. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I did not either the first time. Uh, but I was poking around on the Walking Dead wiki, and they made a note of it on the page for this episode. But it's 
it's fun. I don't know if a lot of people picked up on it. So they're, they're changing those credits up a little bit, which is cool. Cool. Uh, all right. We come after the opening credits and we are at a council meeting in Alexandria. We've got Michonne, Father Gabe, Aaron, Sadiq, Laura, Nora, and Mystery Guy. Now, this is one of the reasons I was at the Walking Dead wiki, because I had to look up who Mystery Guy was, and apparently his name is Kyle. Kyle? Yeah. And Kyle has been around since season six, but I could swear I've never seen him before in my life. And this is the first episode where he's been given a name. So he was, you know, unnamed Alexandria resident before this. Now he's Kyle. Well, that's nice that they would do that. They would have a somebody on set that, uh, what are they called now? They're called, not called extras anymore. They're uh, called... Uh, background performers. Background performers. So it's nice that they would have a, you know, a consistent background performer that would be there. Uh, and now he has a name, hmm. which means he probably got a pay bump. He might even have a line someday. Yeah. That'd be cool. And then maybe a hero moment where he would die. Sure. Well, I hope he does. I hope he gets all those things if that's what he wants, you know? Yeah. For now, he's he's Kyle, and he's standing in the background of this council meeting. Um, and the way it goes down is, is like this. Michonne is, first off, questioning them about the radio system that we have here and saying it led to Rosita and Eugene almost dying when they went out, and it led to Jesus actually dying, which is a super huge bummer. Um, she says that Negan escaped because Father Gabe was distracted with all this stuff. And she's essentially saying that the world is just too dangerous to be fiddling around with stuff like this. We have to focus on keeping everyone safe. That's what she's saying, yes. I mean, that's, I disagree with her, but that's what she's saying. Right. So that's that's the beginning. Father Gabe um, argues that you can't really cut yourselves off from the rest of the world. And we find out now that Michonne, um, although they're a council and they vote on things, she has the power to veto any decision they make in the name of security. Right. So some animals are more equal than others. Well, yeah. We're seeing this with the whispers, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, she can she can shoot anything down that they vote on in the name that is just too dangerous. Which yeah. is so it it's it's the kind of thing where if the only tool you have in your toolbox is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. It's uh, if she can veto things in the name of security, everything becomes a security issue, and then she can do whatever the hell she wants. Yeah, and that's exactly what Father Gabe says. He's, she's like, "We gave you," he he said, "We gave you this power, but now everything is a security issue. So, what's the point anymore? You're just going to not let us do anything." So, yeah. so. The reason I, uh, one of the things that came to my mind when this was happening was, why are they putting up with this? Like, aren't they the council? Can't they just vote her out? Can't they just go, you know what? Uh, it doesn't work this way anymore. Sorry. We're just going to go and make the decision this way. Yeah. Like, there's no, uh, there's no authority forcing them to continue down this road if it's not working. Uh, the only thing that's forcing them to do that is that uh, Michonne, Michonne would probably kick the shit out of every one of them uh, <laughs> at that moment. So maybe it's fear. Yeah, it's fear. Maybe uh, a high level of respect for her. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to take the sort of leadership power away from her, even though she seems to be abusing it to a degree here. I don't know. You're yeah. right, though. I mean, just the, the sake of, you know, paying attention to the rules because they're the rules uh, doesn't necessarily make sense to me in a zombie apocalypse. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. do what works. If this is not working, do something else. Like I've, if Michonne's abusing the, uh, the the trust and rules that uh, that you've agreed on, then fucking change them. Sure, but she would argue that keeping people safe is the single most important thing when there aren't that many people around, and that's a hard argue. That's a hard point to argue with i think right that like no we can't do these things even though you want to because it's too dangerous if we lose too many people there is no community anymore right that's that's where she's coming from yeah but that kind of fear-mongering doesn't work i mean you can't uh if 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 that's the way uh you want to do it then everybody should go move into negan's cell and lock the door behind them yeah uh and then they'll be safe yeah, I guess so. And the other thing is maybe this has just come up recently, right? Maybe the council has been running okay for the past bunch of years. And in the last couple of months, especially with the Whisperers, she started sort of abusing the veto power a bit because everything is suddenly too dangerous. So maybe we're seeing the point here where where they start to think that there's a better way. You know what I mean? Right. Might not have been well, that long. It also depends on how these council members got onto the council. Right? Is it a meritocracy? Is it an, ele- is it an electoral system? Uh, what uh, what's what's the deal? They if they have such adherence to the rules, they must have put in a rule for getting rid of somebody who's being a dick. Well, you right? you need those kind of things, right? If if there is yeah. somebody who's abusing their power, there has to be a process for ending that abuse of power. Yeah. So I just if they're putting this much thought into the rules, there's a rule for getting rid of somebody who's abusing their powers. Well, so enact that if you think that's necessary. I, I would, yeah, you would hope so. But, you know, it just occurred to me that they're new at this. Maybe they didn't think of that rule off the top, but they sure have now. Michonne thought of the rules, right? Oh, well, there you go. She would, <laughs> and she wouldn't think of a rule that, uh, or she would think of rules to get rid of somebody she doesn't like. So, and she can't just say, I want to get rid of people that I don't like and then write it down and have everybody sign it. It's got to, she's going to have to want to put it into more of a, we can get rid of somebody that we don't like by doing these things. Yeah. Uh, and not single herself out as somebody who's above the law. All right. Well, if they haven't done that yet, they certainly need to do it now. But, uh, Aaron kind of speaks up in support of Michonne and then Sadiq says he thinks they should reconsider their decision to not go to the trade fair. Again, Michonne doesn't want to go because it's too dangerous. Uh, Sadiq says that Carol told him that the kingdom situation is far worse than they're letting on. And one thing he mentions I thought was interesting that they, is uh, their problems stem from the fact that the kingdom is too remote. Which strikes me as odd because, I mean... Are th- who's too remote? Is the kingdom too remote or is Alexandria too remote? I mean, they're the... Well, there's physically remote and then there's emotionally remote. Well, yeah, right? I don't know. Physically, they're probably far away, which makes them remote. Like there's probably, um, you know, the hilltop, Alexandria, uh, sanctuary. Sanctuary? Yeah. I mean, it's not a thing anymore, but they tried yeah, for that a while. was probably close or close-ish, but, you know, based on that collection of uh, of communities, the kingdom might be, you know, three times as far as any other place that makes them physically remote. They're not just, you know, distant. They're like, yeah, I don't feel like interacting yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess so. But, I mean, that means that they they rely heavily on stuff from the other communities, but they're just too far. It takes too long to get there and back. I yeah, su- I suppose that well, could I mean, be difficult. Yeah, but 
why are they having problems? Like, are they just having problems because they're too remote or are they having problems because they can't grow enough pigs? Right. And, and, and again, are there problems because, uh, you know, the Alexandria is unwilling to go the distance to share or trade their goods with them? You know, well, the kingdom was doing okay before they knew about Alexandria. I mean, they were also giving half their stuff to, uh, to Negan and they were still doing okay. So why aren't they doing okay now? Yeah, that's, I mean, we sort of know that the place has fallen into disrepair, but you're right. I mean, you'd think they, if they were doing okay, then they could do okay now, but maybe they've exhausted local resources or, you know, the crops don't grow very well there. So if they have more people now, maybe it's harder to keep them all fed and happy, but at the same time, I don't think they have more people. If anything, they have less, but yeah. Either well, maybe that's the problem too. Maybe they need to up their taxes. Maybe they just need somebody who has been <laughs> uh, as a little more versed in Sim City, or maybe than, they just uh, say the the uh, uh, Ezekiel. Yeah, maybe. And frankly, maybe they just they actually need more of a workforce to, you know, grow the crops and build the stuff and do all the things right. you need to do to have a community thriving. I don't know. Well, they had, uh, there was, if memory serves me correctly, uh, they had a whole bunch of crops growing out of filing cabinet drawers. That's right. And that, I guess, does that still work for them? I didn't see that. I haven't seen that recently. No, I, we haven't really seen a lot of detail of the place recently, but you're right. They had, they seem to have a good thing going for a while there. Um, but Michonne, Reveals that she'd be willing to open their doors at Alexandria to the people of the kingdom, but Ezekiel isn't ready to let the place go yet. So he's hanging on to this place. He doesn't want to to just abandon it, which I can understand. Well, right now he's the king. If he shows up at Alexandria and he's like, well, we'll become part of your community, he's just going to be some schmo on a council. Well, yeah, he doesn't, I guess he doesn't want to give up his, his position of royalty. Yeah, and there's probably a 99% chance that Michonne wrote into the uh, Alexandria Constitution that only one council member can have dreadlocks. So now if uh, Ezekiel shows up, he's going to have to cut his hair. Right, and we can't have that. We can't have that. So that's probably, you know, in the back of his mind, I can't go there. Michonne's got dreadlocks. I can't, there can't be two of us. No. There can be only one. How? And I'm not going to fight Michonne because, damn it, nobody fights Michonne. That's ridiculous. You'd lose. So I just cut my hair. Yeah. How will they tell us apart if there's two people with dreadlocks here? Well, it's it's just, it's a style thing. You can't have two people with dreadlocks <laughs> on the council. Right. I don't know. Michonne, it just strikes me as Michonne, something Michonne would put in the Constitution. Eh, maybe. Um, Sadiq ultimately questions Michonne and says, what does it mean to save Alexandria if they let the kingdom fall? And at this point, she digs in her heels and responds with, you know, it means Alexandria survives. That's the only thing that's important to her right now is keeping her home community going. Yeah. It's xenophobic, closed-minded thinking. Right. The only thing, and one other thing I don't understand about Michonne's approach here is that, you know, they're making a big deal about how unsafe it is to actually like travel there because of the whisperers. Of course, there are people walking around in dead men's faces and uh, dead people's faces and that's super dangerous. But I think she was against going even before we found out about the Whisperers. So was it too dangerous then as well? And now it's just extra, extra dangerous? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a convenient excuse. 
It's uh, it's too dangerous. There are zombies out there. There's hordes out there. We know there are hordes out there. We don't want to send large groups of people when they could be ambushed by a horde. But now there's uh, uh, there's the whispers, which are just like zombies, but with knives. Right. So we can't uh, we can't have that because they're out there too, and they would attack us for some reason. Well, I'm it's not really it, sure. Well, I mean, they're obviously afraid of them, but it's doubly confusing and doubly dangerous, I suppose. So it hasn't gotten any more safe. Well. We kind of, Michonne walks outside and we kind of pan up into another building nearby and we're with Rosita who's there trying to do up her pants and having a little bit of trouble, I guess. Uh, they're not fitting her Been quite. there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> they're not fitting her quite uh, the same as they used to. Why would she be wearing pants that tight anyway? I mean, they seem like, she doesn't look like she's showing pregnancy wise no. at this time. So she's putting on weight, which is fine and, and healthy. But uh, those pants seemed a little tight to begin with. Well, I mean... So maybe in the zombie apocalypse, make some smarter choices on uh, pants. Yeah, you know what? We don't know for sure that she hasn't had trouble putting on those pants, like, since day one. Yeah, we've never seen her put on pants before. This could be just a normal routine. That's right. So that's what she's doing. Uh, Father Gabe comes home kind of in a huff and she comes downstairs and asks him about the meeting, but he doesn't want to talk about it because it didn't go so well. And then they have this conversation about the whole baby situation without really actually saying it, which I thought was an interesting way of doing this. And she apologizes to him for, for what's going on. And despite calling it a good thing and a blessing, she gives him an out if it's too complicated for him right now. She's like, this is on you. If you don't want to deal with this, I understand. Um, and he's has to make a decision, pretty much. Yeah, and he's a dumbass because he made the wrong decision. Right then and there, she said, I'm going home. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he didn't say anything. The right answer is, why don't if why don't you stay here and you'd already be home? Well, that would be something that someone in a cheesy romantic comedy might say. That's the kind of thing I would say. Cheesy comedy or not, that's what I would say. I would jump right all over that stuff and say, you know, live with me. You don't, I don't need it out, whatever. But he, uh, he's, he I guess for the sake of drama, he needs an out. Well, he hasn't made that decision yet. He doesn't know what he's going to do because, again, it's, it's, I, I thought it was a bit of an, interesting way to present this whole thing where he knows what's going on. He knows it's not his baby. Everyone, the pregnancy is common knowledge, right? But we never got any of that sort of those scenes of, of people revealing it to each other. And, um, everyone seems kind of relaxed about it, except for father Gabe, who has to decide what he's going to do. Is he going to stay with this woman who's pregnant with another man's baby or is he not? Or is he going to do something else? And that's kind of what he's pondering right now. So he can't deliver the stay here and you'd already be home line because he doesn't know yet. Yeah, that's true. But I would know. We cut over to the Whisperers and they're kind of mulling around in the mud. Uh, Alpha is walking amongst them and we see Lydia crouching against a tree and she finds a yo-yo tied to a fallen branch. Yeah. Which I... I mean, I thought it was odd. Didn't really mean anything to me at the moment. Um, and then I was distracted because suddenly we see Henry and he's right there spying on them. Mm -hmm. He's very sneaky. He he is. 
a whisperer comes up behind him, but he uses his staff to knock him down and knock him out. But he is quickly disarmed by Beta, and, uh, you know, Beta grabs him. He says that he's been tracking him. Henry's been tracking them. Um, Alpha asks who he is and threatens to break his arms and legs if he doesn't talk. And so he reveals that he's from Hilltop and he came for Lydia. So if Beta was tracking him, why would he let him get so close? Well, I don't think Beta sees this guy as a threat. And so Beta realized that Henry was following them. So he just kept an eye on it. And when he got up close is when he approached him and, and captured him, I guess. Okay. It just, it strikes me as odd. It's like, why not just deal with him when you noticed him instead of, ah, let him get it nice and close. Maybe he'll make some noise and attract some zombies and make a situation for my people that I can't get, get them out of. Mm. Uh, or I could just deal with this uh, little whelp uh, early on. Yeah. I think, I think he's probably thinking he has to let him get to get close to them so he can capture him with no chance of Henry getting away. Right? Like if he lets Henry make a mistake and get too close, then it's easy for him to grab him. Whereas if he realizes Henry's following from a distance and then suddenly Beta turns around, Henry might see that coming and run off. I don't know. Right. Something like that. Um, But he says he came for Lydia and Lydia approaches, punches him hard and they all move on and take Henry with them. And breaks her hand. It did look like it hurt, yeah. Yeah. So that would that punching is <clears throat> dangerous for your hands. Like the, compared to the uh the bones in your face, the bones in your hand are very, very delicate. Well, I haven't done a lot of punching in my life, but I guess uh it doesn't seem like it they're delicate on movies and TV because people punch each other all the time. Yeah. I mean not for real though, right? No, not for real. Yeah. So uh, there's actually an argument to be made that uh, boxing is more dangerous because they gave the boxers gloves because uh, now they can hit harder than they normally would if oh, it was yeah. just bare knuckle, uh, bare knuckle fighting because you can't hit too hard if it's bare knuckle because you'll break your friggin' hand. And then Whereas the- with the boxing glove, you can just haul off and uh, like fucking Mike Tyson. Do you ever see, see him punch? It's like getting hit with a freight train. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You don't want to get punched by Mike Tyson. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, Although that, I do it for $10 million. Like there was one fight he was in that uh, the loser got $10 million. And it's like, well, I think I might get into the ring with him for $10, $10 million. One punch, $10 one, million. Yeah. Dollars. You might die. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping that he'd go easy on me. <laughs> right. Anyway. I mean, I guess even if you do die, the $10 million goes to your family. So it's not a complete loss, except you're dead. It'd be a tough choice. Choice that I'm just, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I'd, I'd hum and haw about it for a little while before I decided there's no fucking way. Have you seen that guy hit? You're right. Yeah. That's, it's, it seems probably scary. punched through me. <laughs> There'd and be then nothing the rest left. Of the paste would be on the wall. Afterwards. Gross. We go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we've got Father Gabe sweeping. And Eugene comes to him with a series of charts, and apparently he's done a bunch of math about Rosita. Oh, Siri. Siri woke up. No. Apparently. Sounds like Siri. I guess. No. I Damn it, I said Siri. <laughs> I said it again. My phone was going to yell at me in a second. Right. I'm going to... Why is... Oh, this is off, but she screams anyways. 
we come to Father Gabe sweeping and Eugene approaches him with a series of charts. He's done a bunch of math about Rosita, the baby, and the relationship between Father Gabe, Sadiq, himself, all this. And he's basically telling Father Gabe to do the right thing here. He's trying to convince him to do what's best for the baby. And he wants Gabe to stay with Rosita and be a little happy family, despite the other people involved and even despite his own uh, love for Rosita. Right. I mean, if you can't convince somebody uh, emotionally or morally, uh, use Excel. Like, when in doubt, use Excel to convince somebody of an argument. Yeah. Like, uh, you've never done that, made a list, and then added the, uh, uh, put some weight, uh, weighted numbers behind them, and then add them all up and see where they go, and then plot that uh, plot that chart over time to see how it might change. You've never done that? No, I've never done that. Me neither. But it sounds like a good idea. I might do it now. Yeah, it does sound like a pretty good idea. That's kind of what he's done here. He's He's made a chart and figured out that happiness improves over time if they do it like this. So that's the right thing to do. Yeah. So does the chances of death though, right? I mean, over like in, uh, they say in Fight Club, over a long enough timeline, the survivability of everybody drops to zero. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, yes, it drops to yeah. zero. And one thing uh, Eugene says that I think I'm going to uh, incorporate into my own lexicon now, he said that he is uh, head over hammer toes in love with her. Can you explain exactly what that meals means? <laughs> means? Well- it's a funny turn of phrase. It's like head over heels. Yeah. He's head over hammer toe. Okay. I, Maybe he has hammered. I don't know exactly what a hammer toe is, but it's funny. It is funny. And I, yeah, why not? I mean, it's a Eugenism that I could see maybe making it into at least your popular co culture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I've, I've already added it to my official lexicon. Oh, good. That's nice. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you'll have to explain to people over and over again. Yeah. Um, Anyways, this this whole thing just furthers my sort of feeling that this this whole situation is a little bit weird in the way they're telling it. Because, again, now we're just finding out that already everybody knows what's going on and Eugene's trying to process it and deal with it. And we have these four characters who, you know, have all the information, but we didn't see any of it revealed, which is fine. It just felt to me a little bit like it was coming out of nowhere almost um but i also thought it's interesting that so far everybody's kind of dealing with it in a rather civil manner whereas you know and there's no secrets here where usually in shows when there's a love triangle or a love quadrangle whatever this is it involves lots of secrets and a whole bunch of drama and a bunch of hard feelings and stuff but in this situation I don't feel like we have any of that. It's just four people trying to deal with the thing in in the way they see best. Yeah, it's nice. It it's is nice. nice. It's, re it's refreshing. A little bit, exactly. So it was kind of working for me. Um, and then before the scene ends, Eugene leaves um, Father Gabe with a bag full of pregnancy pants to give to Rosita that he's made. Yeah. It's nice it, of him. Yeah, it is nice. Did you he know? make them or did he find them? I wasn't quite sure because, you know, the way Eugene speaks, but I have a feeling he maybe found some pants and converted them into stretchy pants for her. Nice. And we know she needs them because she was having a hard time doing up her super sm small pants earlier. Yeah. So she needs some regular pants and then some super stretchy pants. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Eugene knows. 
Um, Whisperers are next, and Alpha is now questioning Lydia about Henry some more. She claims that she doesn't know anything about him and that she acted helpless and he fell for it. And it seems like Henry kind of hears this because he's walking in front of them and he turns around to look, but Beta pulls him along. You know, it's like, how dare you turn around? Yep. Um, and then, you know, Alpha says stuff like she trusts animals because they don't lie. Um, but this is where she tells Lydia she's a good liar, right? Yep. Which is. Animals lie. Oh, they do? My cats lie. Lie to you all the time? Well, Rosie lies because, uh, when I know that she's on the counter licking whatever I chopped on the, uh, the chopping board, uh, because I'm off doing something else, taking care of something else. And I come back and she's on the floor and I heard a thump. She'll look at me like, I wasn't doing anything. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been down here the whole time. I've been sitting here on the floor and I love you. She's just, it's a flat out, the look on her face is she's flat out lying about being on the counter. Does the cat do that a lot? Get up on the counter and like lick the food you're preparing? Oh my God. I have to guard the kitchen when I'm making food. She's getting worse and worse and worse and worse because she knows I get easily distracted by Jasper Uh after the food is made. Right. So when, between the time the food is made to when it gets plated on the table, I have to guard the kitchen. I have to be in the kitchen because she's sitting on the floor looking at me going, are you going to leave? Because there's a ton of food up there that I could really, you know, chow down on. And she'll <laughs> do it if I uh, turn my back for a second. It's getting bad. Friggin' cats. Yeah. She's, uh, she's getting smarter and she lies. So animals lie. I know it for a fact. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, Alpha and Lydia are talking about how they don't. And then Alpha takes an apple from another whisperer and gives it to Lydia to eat. Yeah. And uh, it bothered me how she bit that apple. She bit it all wrong. Why? Well, what do you mean bit it? She bit it from the, from the core? No. Well, no. She held it so the stem was pointing up and sort of bit it that way and bit sort of the top half of the apple. When everyone yeah. knows you hold an apple with the stem sideways, like in your thumb, and then you bite th- that way into the apple. I mean, she just did it all wrong. It bothered me. I think I, this strikes me as apple elitist because it didn't bother me. Well, uh, I would cut it up with a knife. Like I just wouldn't eat an apple like that. I know you I would, wouldn't. I would cut this. T- apples taste better when you slice them. I don't know why. I'm just saying, if you're going to eat an apple without cutting it, that's the wrong way to do it. But I will be called out for nitpicking that, I am sure, and rightfully so. Well, okay. So everybody write in, tell us how you eat apples. I like to slice them with a knife. Slicing? Good. Uh, But if you're going to eat it whole, you have to bite it the right way. And she did it wrong. Anyways. Doesn't happen. I don't eat them whole. Here's something else I noticed that was cool about this scene. I thought every time that Alpha and Lydia kind of paused and stopped walking, the rest of the whisperers continued, but they didn't continue in a straight line. They kind of continued just muddling around around them sort of randomly almost, which I thought was really cool. Uh-huh. That is cool. I mean, don't you think so? They they they're trying to act as much like a a crowd of zombies as they can. Yeah. And why would Alpha stop though? I mean that's so inconvenient for everybody. Well, oh now I gotta walk in a fucking circle. Well yeah, but at least I I'm trying to say they they've this isn't their first goat rodeo. They've done this before. You know, they know what they're doing. When she stops, we shuffle around a bit and then when she starts going again we follow along so i just thought it was a a neat attention to detail kind of thing right it is it is it is i agree uh 
they come to another big group of zombies, which I wasn't totally clear here. Is this an actual group of zombies or is it another group of whisperers returning to their camp? Because they were making sounds like real zombies, which it didn't seem like the whisperers did while they walked along. Um, but then the next scene is them getting to their camp. So I wasn't quite sure what the deal is with that big group that they saw. They're the protection zombies. They're a herd of zombies that they have. Uh, it's like a herd of cattle. They're out in the pasture uh, wandering around. So we've got other whisperers like leading them around, sort of keeping yeah. them in the area. Okay. Yeah, they, we got shepherds in the in the, in the flock there uh, leading them around because they come into play a little later, right? Yeah, they do. That's true. They do. So they're they're out there, and I think that they're they're probably a. Um, this is going to sound a little weird, but they're like the planet Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting comparison. Yeah. So uh, if they didn't have a herd of zombies that was outside their community. Uh, any zombies that just wandered in would just wander through the community, wander wherever nilly, willy nilly. But if they have this herd that is out uh, circling and stuff, the chances are any zombies that come within a certain radius will go oh, noise and follow into that pack and it'll just collect more and more zombies instead of having random zombies wandering around. That's a really good idea. What does that have to do with, uh, what did you say, Jupiter? Uh, Mercury. Mercury. Mercury collects uh, uh, debris from the solar system. Uh, it gets hit by more meteorites than any other planet because it's so close to the sun and it moves so fast that uh, anything that comes close to the sun uh, has a pretty good chance of running into Mercury at the time. Interesting. So without Mercury, we'd probably get a lot more meteorites smacking into the planet. God, it's so convenient how uh, how our solar system works. Yeah. It's amazing. Mercury is the solar system's like garbage collector. Exactly. Amazing. All right. It's it's a bit weird. I learned that from a book I got for Jasper out of for crying out loud. Well, hey man, you can learn all kinds of things from kids' books. Yeah. Well, uh turns out though, as I said, we're at the Whisperers camp and there appears to be quite a few people around. So this is a bigger group than we might have thought. Many of them are not wearing masks, I notice. And as they walk in, Alpha instructs Beta to go get Lydia a new skin and take Henry with him. And uh, before we cut away, we see a couple of guys carving up some some big dead animals. Yeah. So there's a market where you can uh, sell your animals and then buy new masks for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, you're going to need a new mask every once in a while. Um, and I assume magic items. If there's any kind of market in uh, uh, in the world, there's, there's, there's got to be somebody's got to be selling magic items. Of course. I mean, how are you going to do magic without magic items, right? Yeah. Or oh. potions or what? whatnot. Right. Of course. Well, Trisha on the internet wrote in, oh my God, did you see Lydia's fresh complexion? Those dead masks sure do give a whole new meaning to a blood facial. And she sent in a link to prove that that apparently is a real thing. The link was to a YouTube video of Kim Kardashian getting a real blood facial. I did not watch it. But uh, thank you, Trisha, for the link. I just think that sounds gross and weird and and uh, not something I needed to see. But um, yeah, well, to each to each his own, right? To each their own, exactly. Whatever you want to put on your face, go ahead. As long as you're a consenting adult, do it. Do it. Go for it. We go to Negan. He's in his cell. We haven't seen him in a while, and he's reading a book. Michonne comes in and wants to know why he came back, basically. And uh, he reminds her that when he did escape, 
he was in her home and he could have bashed her head in and bashed in a lot of heads. Uh, but he didn't. And he says, you know, uh, the world has changed and I've changed and stuff like that. And that maybe she needs to learn to trust him a little bit. Why? Because he broke into her home while people were asleep and, uh, could have and threatened to bash people's heads in. No, because he left and came back and it's like, that's a sign of trust. Maybe we can work together. He says, yeah, but you still were creepy asshole breaking into people's houses. Uh, yes. So but the point I think is the trust he, thing goes out the window at that point. Yeah, but he didn't do anything bad. He doesn't. Yes, he did. I mean, he, he broke into their houses while they were asleep and, uh, didn't do anything and he just wandered kill, around and maybe, and took, uh, took a compass. And I think, and yeah, and maybe changed his clothes. Like he put on Rick's clothes. <laughs> okay. So he's got burglary, break uh-huh. and enter, uh, Whatever. What else? It's probably Theft. like a whole host of other crimes there. Sure. I'm just saying that, uh, sure, he didn't do anything and he left and came back, but trust is still off the table. I agree with you, but I'm just, I, I also think for Negan, he behaved himself pretty well. Like, this is, this is Negan we're talking about. He used to bash people's heads in for, you know, dubious reasons. And here he is escaping jail. And all he does is grab a compass, some clothes, and make his way to where he wanted to go and then ultimately come back. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a sliding scale based on how bad you were before. Well, okay. I'm look, I'm not trying to defend him much, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm just trying to see his point of view. Right. Shouldn't have mentioned that. Maybe that's, that's what the lesson we should learn here is if nobody knows you were inside the house and nobody told you, told Michonne that you were inside her house, maybe not bring it up. Yeah, but I think Judith probably knows, right? Cause but she, she wouldn't tell Michonne. She's not supposed to be talking to Negan. You're absolutely That's right. That's a secret. He knows that. Yeah. Why he opened his trap, I have no idea. Yeah. When in doubt, keep your mouth shut. Plain and simple. Well, he does reveal that he can tell that Alexandria is kind of slipping away from her. And he knows this because he can hear things out his window. He talks about the Constitution and how he's realized that she has all the power uh, but he calls it a racket. You know, she's written this constitution, but still giving herself all the power. Um, and Michonne gets upset, goes to leave, says things like, we're going to fortify that lock and, you know, block off your windows. But as she looks out the window, we just catch a glimpse of Judith listening out there and just running away. Yeah. So why'd she go talk to him? Don't talk to Negan. Well, she said when she got in that she wanted answers or they wanted answers, but she was the only one he would be willing to talk to. So she went. Yeah. So she agreed to the manipulation he was, had started earlier. Yeah, I know. She needed to take a buddy, which would have helped. But that other guy, that guard was standing there now at least, right? So there yeah. is a second person in the room. He's got a spear. You could stick him good through the bars. So that, that guy's probably, uh, he's armed well. Yeah, I think so. And Don't he, go near him. That's he, for sure. He looked menacing and mean. Like, I'd be afraid of that guy, you know? Yeah. Don't talk to Negan. Just don't talk to Negan. Well, How I hard know. is that? I know. I know. Negan's, like, superpower is, is talking, right? And yeah. it, it's hard to compete with that. You're not, <laughs> you, you can't reason with him. He's not going to come around to your point of view. He's always going to have this, he's always going to have an angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah. You just, you can't do it. I'm going to bring up Lost again. I'm not bringing up Lost anymore. Just don't talk to Negan. Plain and simple. As a rule, don't talk to Negan. All right. Well, we take a commercial break in the show, and when we return, 
We've got Daryl and Connie, who we know left last episode to track Henry, and that's what they're doing. So they are now at the place where the Whisperers found Henry, and they're looking around, and then Dog finds Henry's staff. So that's how they know, you know, he was there. Also some footprints. Um, a couple of walkers approach, and they each kill one with their ranged weapons, a slingshot and a crossbow. And then we find out that Daryl has trained Dog to retrieve his bolts from downed walkers. Um, but in this case, Dog brings it back to him and then snaps it before he gives it to him, so he loses the <laughs> bolt. But um, I thought, A, that is super cool. He's trained Dog to do that. Super yep. useful uh, as, you know, a super useful thing for Dog to do. And when it breaks, Connie gives him this funny look, and he kind of, to me, looks a little embarrassed. And you know what, Jason? I felt a bit of a connection here. Uh, like a love connection? Well, you know what? Maybe just the, the early seeds of one. We had a listener write in last time about how she was super excited about Daryl going out with Connie and maybe they would form a thing. And then this happens and I'm like, I think she might have been onto something because I totally got the impression here that Daryl was trying to impress Connie with dog's arrow retrieval skills. And then he was embarrassed when it didn't work. Okay. And... And I think, um, I think there might be a thing here. I felt a little spark. Okay. Well, that's good. I think as long as, as long as they're happy, that's all I, that's all I want for Daryl. If he's asexual, he's asexual. He's gay, gay. If he's straight, he's straight. If he's somewhere in between, fine. As long as he's happy. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I, that's, I mean, I totally agree with that. I just think that it was, um, a good bit of, uh, I don't know, for uh, like, plot guessing by our, our listener from last time. And, and here we are all of a sudden it's happening because I thought it was a funny little scene between these two. We don't see lighthearted moments with Daryl very often. No, we don't. Right. But at least they involve dog. Well, now dog, the, dogs make people happy. Yeah, they the do. The dog makes Daryl happy. I like dog. And I think retrieving the bolts is a great use for dog. Well, yeah. I mean, dogs are good at fetching sticks, right? So yeah, you train them to fetch crossbow bolts. Yeah, why not? They're just different kind of sticks. Mm -hmm. Sharp sticks. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, we cut back over to the Whisperer's camp and we see Beta carving the face off of a walker, making a new mask. I guess this one's for Lydia. Super gross. Definitely super gross. I even no, wrote that right uh, in the notes. I guess they're not doing... Well, he <laughs> hung it up afterwards, right? Yeah, they hang them to dry, it looks like. Yeah. Well, they got to pee on them. Yes, as we know. Yeah, so they need they need they need more urine involved in their tanning process, or right. whether it's it's just going to be rotted skin on I think your we can, skin. I think Super we can gross. probably just assume that that's happening, and they don't really need to show us the pee. Well, they were tanning process. hides in other areas of the camp, right? There was there was uh, hides hung up for tanning and mm -hmm. stretched out and stuff, so they know how to tan hides. Obviously, yep. uh, this is the first step in tanning someone's face. You're carving it off. Yeah, you carve it off and you hang it up. You dry it out a little bit. Right. Okay, well, that's ick, what he's doing. Ick. Super ick. Henry is there. He's tied to a tree watching this. And Alpha starts talking to him about how the weak die like nature intended, yada, yada, yada. And then a man and a woman approach, unmasked, and they start to question Alpha's decision to get Lydia. The man says that they have this rule of letting the weak die until it was her daughter... And then they had to go get her. 
Um, you know, that put everybody at risk and so on and so on. Alpha claims that it was worth it for the information they got. And he and she says to him that he knows the rules. He can challenge her for leadership, which he does. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Um, as they're standing here, Alpha suddenly grabs the woman and says, this is actually your challenge. I saw you in the forest, you know, coming up with this plan with your boyfriend. And this is what you want to do, not what he wants to do. It's still cheating. He's still challenged, right? Does, is it the who intended to challenge or the who challenges? Right. If you're yeah. allowed to challenge, you should be allowed to challenge regardless of your reasoning. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's cheating. Uh, yeah. The, the first instance of cheating. More, there's more cheating coming. OK. Well, I mean, she um, uh, the woman claims that having Henry there has put them all in danger and that Alpha has failed them because they're going to come for Henry. And, uh, you know, Alpha starts talking to the larger group that's assembled, saying, you know, everyone follows me by choice. I keep them strong. And then as Alpha walks around behind the woman, she takes a bracelet off. Turns out it's a neck garrot. Yeah, a garrot, a neck cutting wire, I was going to call it. <laughs> yeah, garrot is yeah. the word you're looking for. That comes up in a second. Um but I had to look it up, I, I must admit. And um, she puts it around the woman's neck and just slices her head right off. So this is a second instance of cheating. Like, if someone's challenged you, uh, do you walk around behind them and then sucker cut their heads off? No, it has, like to, a be, sucker punch? has to be a face-to-face -face fight. Fair fight. Yeah. Right? It's Yeah, well, that's what I would think. I mean, that's what uh, that's what they did in the Black Panther shit. Did I just spoil Black Panther? Uh when you challenge somebody uh, for the alpha position, it's a straight up fight. You challenge them, the challenge is accepted. You have a fight. You, uh, whoever wins the fight, whatever, I'm not sure what conditions they use for whether it's a fight to the death or fight to the pain or like in Princess Bride, or you fight to the fall down or you fight until you tap out or you fight until you cry. I don't know what the rules are, but it is a previously agreed upon set of rules and she cheated three times. The first time is, uh, uh, the guy challenged her. She said, no, I, you, you challenged me, not him. Okay. So that changes the fight and, and from a fair fight to the fight she wanted. And then the, the lady, oh, and then the guy gets, uh, grabbed by beta and put a knife to his throat. Right. It's like, well, okay. What kind of challenge is this? I challenge you. So he attacks me. Is that, is that the rule? Like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. And then when she goes to fight uh, the other lady who's terrified, uh, she sneaks up from behind her and garrots her. That doesn't seem like a fair fight. And then later on in the episode, they claim that uh, she's really got the support of the people behind her. It's like, no. I If I was somebody that was in a cult and uh, they laid down the, the rules and you were leading because you were the alpha person and you were... Uh, uh, stronger, faster, smarter uh, than anybody else, and you cheated, I'd be like, yeah, maybe you're not the leader you said you were. Okay, so this feels like there are an awful lot of problems with this scene in that it doesn't make any sense for all the reasons you've you've just laid out here. So what is the show's intention with this? Is it to show us that Alpha is in fact not a very good leader and this is all like in 
show stuff? Or is this just kind of poor writing and what they're hoping to do is show us how brutal and ruthless she is at the expense of any semblance of realism in this kind of situation? What do you think? Uh, it's hard to tell. I don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily chalk it up to bad writing, but I chalk it up to bad leadership. And I question whether, uh, whether people would follow her because of the, it, I think the intent was for her to, to show that she will win by any means necessary. She wants to be on top. She will manipulate, lie, change the rules, cheat, uh, sneak up behind somebody, garrote them, have somebody else uh, sneak up behind somebody who's fairly challenged. She will do whatever is necessary in order to maintain power. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what they were trying to show. But I think that the mistake that the writers are making is that uh, having that manipulation happen in front of a standing audience of your uh, your community, because everybody was standing around watching this, having that kind of manipulation uh, erodes uh, trust in leadership. Right. So, so you're saying it is sort of an in-show, an in-universe thing to do this, but if they never come back to this and there's no repercussions within the community of whisperers about this, it's, it's going to be silly because there, there has yeah. to be, because, because this is not the way you maintain the, the loyalty of the people. Yeah. She has not shown anything uh, yet so far that would lead me to believe that everybody would follow her without question. I guess like there's the, 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 the leadership trade-off is uh, trust for loyalty, mm-hmm. right? If you trust the leader, you would give them loyalty. If somebody gives you loyalty, you have to maintain their trust. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that dynamic of trust versus loyalty, leadership doesn't work. Right. And so does it make it doubly bad that later on in the episode, she actually has a conversation with Beta about, and he says, once in a while, you have to remind people that, um, you know, you're the leader for a reason. And and it feels like they're, they're speaking about the exact opposite of what would happen in this situation, according to you. In, in my opinion, yes, that was, that pissed me off. So I think it, I think it makes the situation from a, just a walking dead show perspective, even worse, because if they never go back to this, or if the outcome of this is in fact that the people do continue to follow her with, you know, complete loyalty, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And this is actually, uh, this might be the whole purpose of this, uh, of this episode, because this exact same situation is, is mirrored in Alexandria with Michonne and the council. Uh, it's loyalty for trust, right? They're, Michonne's vetoing everything on a, uh, a security basis. Uh, so there's, she's eroding that, uh, that trust that she has with the council and therefore their loyalty is going to be in question. So it's, it, this, this is mirrored in both of those communities mm-hmm. that have been the focus of this episode. So I'm hoping that that's the point. But for now with the Michonne situation, you know, Michonne, I think realizes the error in her ways right towards the end, which we'll talk about, but yeah. um, whether that happens or not with Alpha and the Whispers, we just don't know yet. We haven't seen it because it didn't right. happen in this episode. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a trust issue with the show. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of um, whisper related issues for you with, with the show, just with They the... don't make sense to me. I mean, yeah. yes, we went through a bunch of listener feedback uh, last Thursday and I, I felt better about the whole thing, but it's, it's eroding again. And right. I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time. And uh, well, that's good. I don't want to have a hard time. I want to have a good time. And I want to get loaded. And uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever that speech is. Uh, it's, well, no, I'm glad you are. I mean, I, it's, it's fascinating for me that you're pointing all these things out because a lot of them never occurred to me before. And I don't think occurred to a lot of people. So I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating take you have on the whisperers. Um, and it may come or maybe due to the fact that, you know, you didn't know a lot about them. You didn't read the comic with them in it. So it's it, all you have is the TV show experience and what they're showing you. And you bring up a lot of good points about how they don't make a lot of sense. Um, even though most people just find them super creepy and kind of, uh, well, effectively scary anyways. Right. Yeah. They're modeling themselves off of, uh, pack animals, right? Yeah. Alpha, beta, uh, like the whole org the whole community is, uh, is modeled off of that kind of, uh, model of, of, of pack animals. And she's not acting like the leader of a pack. Mm -hmm. She's acting like a manipulative, manipulative, manipulative asshole human that, uh, deserves to have their, a knife sticking out of their back in about 10 minutes. Well, which could be the point too, because we have to remember that she's trying to act like the leader of a pack of animals, but she's actually a human. So yeah. And there... she says, animals don't lie. Humans lie. Yeah. So what does that say about her? Uh, so I, I think she's falling into the very opposite of what she's trying to uh, uh, embody. Right. And I think at the end of the day, when, when the Whisperer's storyline has come to its conclusion it could come to a satisfying conclusion where all of this kind of makes sense and falls into place uh, i get the feeling and i kind of agree with you that that you don't really see it going that way quite yet but right. you never know what might happen but don't let never me put know. words in your mouth <laughs> yeah well you're you're right all right so take that well um don in wisconsin writes holy crap the female whisperer who didn't want to fight alpha was spineless i mean she literally had no spine alpha garroted her head off with no effort like slicing through a block of cheese <laughs> uh i think a block of cheese would be a lot harder than that you ever try, try cutting through a big fucking hunk of cheese you're a cheese guy you know what it's like love cheese i know exactly what it's like it's tough it is it's not easy you could you get a friggin' big friggin' knife and you hammer away and especially if it's tough cheese. Sure. But I think what Don is saying that is pull, pulling a wire through the soft flesh in someone's neck is one thing, but right through their spine, pretty hard to do, I bet. And it didn't look like it was difficult for Alpha at all. Well, yeah. I mean, she's probably, uh, you know, super strong. Sure. Right? Why not? Like we, we've covered this before, I think somehow. Why do I think that? Did we talk about how strong she must be? I think we might have been talking about how strong uh, Judas is by holding up that python. Holding the gun out, right. Yeah. Well, so I assume that uh, Alpha is also uh, crazy strong. Well, anyways. Um, she could probably lift a motorcycle and throw it. Well, that'd be awesome. Like, I'm not saying like she would lift a car like Superman or like pick up a plane or anything, but maybe a motorcycle. Oh, maybe. 
Well, right? we, we have one on the show, so maybe we'll find out. Yeah. She does pick up the head, though, of the woman, and she shows it to all the onlookers and then hands it to the guy who like kind of, like a baby, he kind of cradles it in his arms and then she gets right up close to him and, you know, she pushes his hair out of his face almost in an intimate way, I thought. And when she gets right up close to his face, she stabs him in the gut. So yep. she killed the woman by decapitating her. She killed the guy by distracting him with a head. And uh, that's it. Challenge over, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Well, Henry's... Not a fair fight. No, not at all. Whatever. Henry's still tied to that tree. He's watching all this kind of horrified. And then you see the other whisperers who were standing around watching all of this just slowly turn and walk away with their heads down. So she got her head cut off pretty quickly, like you said. Uh-huh. And there's a there's a theory going around that uh, when you have your head cut off, like by a guillotine or whatever, uh, that you're conscious for a good 15, 20, maybe even 30 seconds. Because that's how long your brain can survive without oxygen. It's a very short amount of time. It's only like... 15, 20 seconds. But if you get your head cut off, uh, you could be conscious. There's like, there's a lot of evidence to, to prove that, uh, you can be, uh, lucid and mm-hmm. conscious, uh, for a good 20 seconds. So I've always wondered if that is just an urban legend or if that's actually a thing. Do we know well, for sure? Medically, uh, it's a thing that your, your brain can survive for about that long before, like if all the blood drains out of your head, cause that's what happens when your head gets cut off. Uh-huh. Uh, that's how long your brain can survive without oxygen. There's nothing stopping your brain from using your eyes, from thinking, mm-hmm. from, uh, going, you're probably in shock, right? <laughs> well, you, you have been separated from your body. So probably, yeah. Yeah. But there is evidence of, um, uh, people that have been guillotined that uh, have reacted to stimuli from people like yelling at the head or whatever. Cause there's people that said, I'm going to have my head cut off and I want to know if I'm going to be conscious. So yell at me or I'll try and blink as many times as I can afterwards. And they actually do, or uh, they get a look on their face of uh, one head of a, a high level, a high ranking person was slapped and she got a very disdainful look on her face. Like, how dare you slap me? Oh my God. Kind of thing. Like this, <laughs> there is evidence. There's no way to really prove it, but there is evidence supporting that kind of thing. So when she lifted up the head, I expected it to, half expected it to blink, especially since it's the zombie apocalypse and there's no reason that head wouldn't come back as a zombie. Right. Maybe it just hadn't happened yet, but you're right. It could have still been alive for that yeah. in that second. I wanted to blink. I would have liked to blink. All right. Well, that seems like a... uh Greg Nicotero thing. So write him a letter and let him know. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Noop J on the internet wrote, holy crap, Alpha is a terrible leader. I think he's onto something with you here, Jason. Yeah. She kills her own people rather than bend them to her will. I get that. It's a plot device to reiterate how crazy and murderous she is, but we have seen this trope a hundred times over. It'd be much more frightening to see her convince them through speechifying and threats over beheading one with a bracelet and stabbing the other while he's being distracted. So yeah, there you go. Um, the other one thing I noticed in this scene that of course is all the whispers are standing around watching, but Lydia is standing around watching this too. And if you look at her, 
while all this is going on, she looks to be totally unfazed by it. Like she's just very casual about the whole situation that's going on right in front of her. And I don't think this was an accident. I think we're, you know, being told that she's seen some shit and this is nothing. Yeah, this is probably normal, right? Well, this is the way it is. Somebody just likes what uh, Alpha does. She stabs him in the gut after cutting off their head. I mean, this, is, this isn't anything horrifying for Lydia. This is like just a Tuesday, right? So hmm. Funny, uh, it is Tuesday. Yeah, it is. How about it's that? Fat Tuesday. Yes, we've been over that. Uh, anyways, I just thought it was, again, another interesting sort of background detail that that uh, that was included in the scene here. Commercial break, and we come back. We have Michonne upstairs in her house looking in at a child sleeping. And then Judith comes upstairs, and my first thought was, wait, what? Who's in the bed? I thought she was looking at Judith in the bed, but apparently that is Rick Jr. lying in that bed. Yeah. It's R- RJ. Uh, I just didn't think he really looked like Rick Jr., but I guess we haven't seen him in the past six years, so he's changed a lot and grown up a bit. Um, But Michonne questions Judith on why she was spying on her outside Negan's window, and she admits that she goes to see Negan because she feels sorry for him. Mm -hmm. And she says that he listens to her when nobody else ever does, which is a bit of a dig. At Michonne, right? I oh, talk, yeah. I talked to Negan because you don't listen to me. I talked to Negan because he's not an asshole. Pretty much. Like um, you. But Michonne tries to convince Judith that Negan's a monster and that he can't change. And, you know, when she responds with, he's not a monster, he's a human, she says, yeah, 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 but he's done monstrous things. And, um, you know, he, he, she said, as I said, um, Michonne says he can't change. And Judith responds with you did another dig saying like, I think you're worse mom than you used to be, (laughs) (laughs) which obviously shakes up Michonne quite a, quite a deal. And she sends her to her room saying, I need a minute and I need you to get out of my sight. Yeah. Pretty much. That's, that's a parenting thing, right? Yeah. Get away from me before (laughs) I start screaming or I, I just need a minute. Yeah. Right. And Jasper's actually said those exact words before mirroring us, of course. I just need a minute. And he goes off yeah. by himself. Well, it's it's important as a parent to be able to recognize in yourself when you are in a situation that you don't want to be in. And yeah. and and uh, before, you know, anything else happens, you take a minute and send Judith to her room. Yeah. So that's what happened here. Um back with the whisperers they're dragging away those bodies of the people that were beheaded and stabbed from henry lydia approaches henry and doesn't say anything to him but he sees that he has or she has this coin that he gave her but now it's on a necklace around her neck and i think what she did here is she used the string from the yo-yo she found earlier to put it around her neck and keep it you know uh keep it secret that way Excellent. Which was the whole point of the yo-yo, which uh, took me a while, or took me a little bit of projecting back to remember that she found that, because it seemed inconsequential at the time. I'd keep that yo-yo. That was a trick yo-yo. That wasn't like your standard everyday yo-yo. That was more of a yo-yo designed to do like awesome fancy tricks. Well, I think she just kept the string and maybe threw the yo-yo away. I don't know. That's a mistake. Well, yeah, but it's like- In my opinion. It's like kids opening a birthday present. They're- 
sometimes more interested in the packaging and the crinkly paper than they are the actual present. But, you know, what are you going to do? true. <laughs> Nothing. Buy them a box next time. Empty box full of crinkle paper. It's a <laughs> great a gift. box. Yeah. Here's a box. Let's draw a picture on it and pretend it's a car. Oh, it's a great gift. Right there. <laughs> it is. Nothing wrong with that. Now, Henry realizes what's going on, and he kind of secretly smiles to himself a little bit. So... He, he he knows now that Lydia is still kind of on his side, or at least that's what she wants him to think. Yep. Uh, Alpha washing her bloody hands. Beta comes up and she asks him to remove her mask, which he does. And this is where we have the scene where she mentions it's been years since a challenge has happened. And uh, she tells this story about Lydia getting tangled up in dry cleaner plastic when she was three years old. This is pre-apocalypse. And... Alpha says she just watched until Lydia fell to the floor, nearly suffocated, before she did anything to save her. And then after she saved her, she hit her so hard so she'd remember to never do that again. Yeah, because the uh, getting caught up in plastic and uh, almost suffocating to death wasn't traumatic enough. No, I'm going to... needed to have additional trauma on there, just to be sure. Just to make sure you understand that, you know, I'm protecting you. And uh, I love you, and that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, I'm hitting you because I love you. Right. Great excuse. So, like, does that does that instill trust and or loyalty in a in a child? Do you think? I'm not so sure Seems it does. Like smacking them around when they're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know. Bad parent, bad leader. Well, Beta bad says, person. yeah, bad person. Beta says that you need to protect these people from the outside. We need to protect ourselves from the outside and we have to be ready when they come for that boy. And, uh, you know, Alpha, you're doing the right thing here. So he's just reinforcing this, this terrible leadership and bad behavior. Uh, but he also, more importantly, at this moment anyway, says that they need to know if Lydia feels something for Henry to find out whose side she's really on. Right. That comes up again in a minute, but, uh, we see those two whisperers and they're taking the bodies to leave them out for those, those walkers that I guess are roaming around outside the camp. Um, and after they leave them, we see Daryl and Connie watching from behind some bushes. So Beta didn't spy their tracking. No, I guess, you know, maybe he was distracted by Henry and that's kind of worked to their favor, maybe. Yeah. So Daryl uh, is using Henry again. To his advantage. Right. Unknowingly. He's yep. like, okay, so Alpha's tracking Henry, who's tracking this group, and we're tracking Alpha, or Beta, sorry, and uh, Beta's distracted because he's a moron. And doesn't, he knows we're coming, but apparently doesn't know how to turn around to see. He knows it. we're coming, but is too busy worrying about this one kid to, you know, keep an eye on us. Yeah. <laughs> well, after a commercial break we get a silent or only music scene in Alexandria and we have Father Gabe approaching Rosita and Sadiq sitting on the porch of their house and he has the bag that Eugene gave him. All three of them go up into the house together looking like a little happy love triangle family and uh, we find out that Eugene is watching from somewhere else across the street and even <laughs> even he kind of has a strained smile on his face a little bit. So the implication here is that uh, Father Gabe has decided to stay with Rosita and raise this kid and probably 
invite Sadiq into the relationship as well, it seems like. It's, yeah. Why stick to traditional uh, relationships? I'm, I completely agree with that. I don't see anything wrong with this at all, except for the fact that poor Eugene is left out in the cold once again. No, this is where Eugene likes to be. He's a watcher. He likes to watch. Mm, yeah. Well, so he, he probably likes to participate more, but, you know, when you can't watch. <laughs> when you can't do watch. Exactly. <laughs> well, anyways, he's all by himself there. And the three of the, the other three are going into the house together. Uh, Michonne comes to Aaron's house and Gracie answers the door. And then she talks to Aaron and thanks him for supporting her at the meeting. He reader, he reiterates to her that they, you know, made these rules for a reason and recent events have reminded him of that. But Michonne says that if they take another vote, she's decided not to veto uh, the decision if they decide to attend the fair. And although she thinks it's a terrible idea, if that's what the people want, she has to respect that. So, um, you know, uh, that's what she's going to do. She's come around to the idea that helping the kingdom is important sort of for all the communities. Yeah. And that's a time-honored leadership technique as well. I am their leader. I have to find out where they're going so that I can lead them. Uh, yes, if they're going somewhere, they're going to need leadership to get there. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is the opposite of what happens with Alpha, right? Michonne has realized the error in her ways and has decided that, you know, she can't be uh, the source of, of all the vetoing and stuff like that. If that's what the people want, they have to they have to do it. That's the reason they have a council who votes on things. That's right. But they don't have, uh, Michonne doesn't have a, a beta uh, reinforcing her bad decision-making. Uh, no, I, I guess not. Um, so is it all his fault? Is it all it to him. I mean, he's wearing a mask. I mean, it looks like he has a beard under his mask, but. No, he's got a half mask. The beard is his actual uh, no, I chin. Know. I was making a joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yes, I know he's a man, but we haven't seen his face yet. So yeah. Could be a bearded lady. Uh, could be. That'd be awesome. It happens. Yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, so we pan across Alexandria and see everyone loading up wagons for the trip to Hilltop. And we kind of end on Michonne sitting in a building deep in thought. It looks like wondering if she's done the right thing. We, uh, we got a proper frontier town going on here. We really do. I thought it looked awesome. Yeah. No, we got, uh, there's that windmill and then there's the storefronts like you got in the old West and the, uh, the untreated pine uh, building materials for, uh, for inside the buildings. Mm -hmm. and it's great. I think it looks pretty cool. I think it would be a fun set to play around on for a while. <laughs> it would, you know? Uh, all right. We are almost done here. We are now at nighttime back at the whisperers camp. Henry has fallen asleep against the tree, but beta grabs him, stands him up in front of Lydia and alpha. Alpha throws a knife down on the ground, tells Lydia to pick it up and kill the boy. She, of course, doesn't want to, and she hesitates. Alpha tells her not to be weak like your father, and she says, kill him or Beta will kill both of you. Wow. So this is the situation they've orchestrated to try to expose Lydia's true feelings, which they just finished talking about. And, um, of course, it's super brutal. They're trying to find out if Lydia actually will kill Henry and confirm that she's still on the side of the whisperers but do you think jason that alpha would really allow beta to kill both of them if she refused to do it no 
Yeah, she's not- a liar. She's a manipulator. She uh, she loves her daughter and uh, will do anything to uh, to to save her. So no, it's a bluff. Yeah, I think it is too. Um, but it's one of those risky things to take because if you if you don't sort of if it is a bluff and then you don't live up to it, it just shows that you are weak, and that's the opposite of what Alpha wants to be. Um, and and the other thing I noticed here is Alpha at one point says to Lydia. She says something like, you might have forgotten what side you're on. And this implies conflict. The fact that there are two sides. And, you know, in the last episode, Alpha specifically said, we did all these things, there's no conflict. And then they made the trade, there'd be no conflict. But Alpha clearly doesn't believe what she's saying there. Yeah, there's there. Yeah, there's definitely a conflict. I mean, she's trying to find information out about this, uh, about the hilltop. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she's uh, she's planning something or or just not being upfront about her feelings about you know these new communities they've found yeah and then one last thing i noticed is that lydia calls her mother again in this scene which we know she doesn't like so i think this really is one more thing that kind of reveals lydia's true feelings and that she is not on board with alpha anymore if there was ever any question i think now we know for sure that she's not. Yeah. She's got a taste of the good life. Well, Hanging out with boys, eating worms, living in a cage. Sounds like the good life to me. <laughs> I can't imagine a, good, a better life. No. Now they're standing around and suddenly a bunch of actual walkers invade the camp. And this is, I guess, the group that was um, circling the camp before. Um, everybody kind of scatters. We see people putting on their masks as they run away. We see other people getting eaten. Um, In the commotion, Henry says to Lydia, they need to go. And suddenly a masked person grabs Henry's arm and says, keep your head down. We're leaving. And it's Daryl's voice. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. A couple things here. Yeah. uh, That that jumped out at me all at once. So I was right in thinking uh, in the last episode or last second, last episode, uh, the thinking that they are woefully unprepared for dealing with an actual zombie situation. Like if the zombies attack, uh, they've got three problems on their, on their hands. One, uh, they all kind of look like zombies. So it's kind of hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys in a chaotic situation. That's the main thing. I think. Second, they don't really have any real defenses against the zombies because they don't want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the third is, uh, the thing that really jumped out to me is that if everybody's wearing masks, it probably is pretty easy to infiltrate them. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so everyone's I, I feel stupid for not thinking of that before. Well, that's right. Ex- yeah. That's exactly what Daryl did here. He shows up, him and Connie show up wearing Walker masks. I mean, yeah. they, they could have just put them on and walked into the camp by themselves. There's a 90% chance that uh, everybody recognizes everybody else by their mask. So if they're wearing somebody else's mask, you'll just think that that's Joe. Yeah. Right? That, that's Joe. I know Joe. Joe's a good guy. Yeah, exactly. Right? He's, that's that's yeah. the mask he wears. <laughs> but it's not Joe. It's Daryl. No. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of problems here. I must admit, I thought it was a fun scene. I thought it was a cool scene and I did get... Um, excited when you hear Daryl's voice coming out of that mask and you realize what they've done. I thought it was pretty cool, but you're right. It is somewhat 
ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm not saying it's ridiculous. It's just it's the things that I I hadn't thought of. You okay? Here's the ridiculous. Okay, here's my uh, here here's my wrench in the in the ointment. Is that the way that phrase goes? I don't mm. think that's the way that goes. No. Here's my wrench in the ointment. Uh, this is the same situation as the tiger showing up at the end of that uh, the season with Negan about to kill um, Carl. I don't know. Explain. Because we had a herd of zombies, which I assume were being tended by the two people that Daryl killed to get the mask. Yeah. So, right? Okay, so let's just assume that. There's no information about that. But we had a herd of zombies uh, get past... Uh, they had, I don't know if you noticed this, but when they first walked into the community through what looked like a, uh, the outer rim of bushes, there was actual, um, bushes that were, or trees that were cut down and leaning up against the outer trees to look more, uh, like a wall. Okay. And, uh, so there is an outer perimeter to this, this camp, Right. And the zombies had to get through that outer perimeter in order to get where they are now. I assume they're not outside the perimeter. I assume that they're inside the camp somewhere because we had the chaos of the zombies showing up. Uh So the zombies all just showed up out of nowhere to start wreaking havoc in the middle of the camp with no warning whatsoever. Nobody raising an alarm, nobody hearing zombie noises, uh, nothing. They just magically showed up here and it's that old trope where if the camera doesn't see it nobody else does either yeah yeah you're right i know it it was a stealth herd it wasn't just a stealth zombie it was a stealth herd in this case they just kind of showed up right on top of you exactly now daryl being in the mixed mix there is great i thought that was amazing i really liked that thought of uh, if everybody's wearing masks, they're easy to infiltrate. I thought that was cool. That's a cool play on that. I didn't think of that. I Daryl did, and I credit him for it. That was uh, that was genius, and I liked that part of it. But just this magic uh, herd uh, materializing in the middle of their camp, yeah, uh, took me out of it a bit. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, it's it's a cool idea, uh, infiltrating them this way but it doesn't really work very well the way it was executed in this scene or or yeah. portrayed to us, right? And this show has done that number of times in the past. It's that whole Deus Ex Machina, just something shows up out of nowhere to save the day with no actual uh, premise for it in yeah. the first act. Like we didn't, you can't just save the day with a magic rope in the third act without introducing the magic rope in the first act. Right. I well, learned that from Aaron Sorkin. Yesterday, watching it on Masterclass. Amazing. Like a genius. This man's a genius. Yeah, they, he is, for sure. He's been, he knows what he's doing. Anyways, um, Daryl says we're leaving, and Henry initially refuses to leave without Lydia. He says, I'm not going unless you're coming with us. She hesitates for a second, but all four of them run away into the night. Daryl throws down his mask as they go, and... We cut the credits. Episode yeah. over. So now we got the other side of the coin, right? So we've been flipping back and forth between trading uh, Lydia and Henry into enemy camps and having the leaders of those camps going after them. Mm-hmm. So now we're back to Alpha going after her daughter at the hilltop. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Again. again. Uh, once again. Uh, we'll have to see exactly how that plays out. I don't know. But the other thing that struck me as sort of silly in this scene is that they're they're standing around they're doing this whole thing trying to get Lydia to kill Henry 
and then the zombies attack. If you can accept that, you know, fine. Yep. Um, but then their reaction seems weird to me. Like, where did Beta and Alpha go? I think you sort of you see her pulling on her mask. But are you telling me they just like up and ran away and left Lydia and Henry standing there by themselves in the chaos? Yeah. To be rescued? Like, don't you feel like Beta would at least grab one or both of them and sort of drag them along? It just seems strange to me that that they just scattered and left their prisoners standing there alone to just run off into the night. Well, that's their defense mechanism is put on the mask and, and run away. Disperse. Yeah. Well, not necessarily run away, but walk away in a zombie-like fashion right? so that you don't get noticed, but don't stand around where the feeding frenzy is happening. Okay, but so is it? Is it just that they've never been in this situation before and they're they're doing this, you know, at the expense of losing their prisoner and they just don't know what yeah. else to do? Uh, well, this is their tactic. This is, this is what they've trained for. This is how they, they operate is, uh, by stealth, right? Sure. And being sneaky. So, uh, during a frontal attack, there's not much they can do. They're, they're ill-equipped to, uh, to counter that. Right. Their, their only, the, their only option is to, uh, is to blend in and evade. Right. And I get that. Um, so you're, you're, you're saying what I'm saying. They just, they've never really had to, they may have had to do this before, but never with a, a prisoner standing right there. They, they, they don't know what to do to save themselves, but also retain their prisoner because they must realize that just kind of scattering into the night, everyone's going to do that. And now they've lost Henry and potentially Lydia too, even if they don't realize that this is a rescue attempt, which they might not in the first, you know, in the initial moments of it. Um, so they just, they have no other option. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is what they've trained for. Get the hell out of there. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't think it's worked really well for them because they just. No, that there's a know. fundamental flaw in that. Yeah. Uh, they're dealing with a deadly enemy and their entire society is built around, uh, cuddling up to them. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds so dumb now when you put it like that. Oh, totally ruining the whispers for me. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. It's good. Um, makes me think about it and critique it a little bit more. Anyways, that is the, the episode. Um, two more holy craps here before we wrap it up. Friend of the show, Adam in Texas writes, my holy crap moment has to be seeing Daryl using the whisperers weapon against them to sneak in a few random walkers into the fold. I got to wonder how often that happens to them and if they have to deal with it. I'm guessing it must happen a lot and they just learn to accept the losses as being a culling of the week. And that's another good option, right? That they do, that this does happen, but uh, their society is built around the weak get uh, get killed. Mm -hmm. And if this does happen, it should be like, well, whatever, I'm going to leave. But yeah. anybody who gets caught, it's their own fault. Yeah. Well, that's, that's right. It's their own fault. It keeps the, only the strong survive and it keeps their group strong, at least so they think. And small and, uh, ineffective. Sure. Although it didn't look that small when we first got to the camp, I think they were trying to show us that there's a lot more of these people than, than we might think, which, yeah. which is supposed to make them a bigger, scarier threat. I don't know if it does anymore. Well, why bring the baby then? Like we've got proof that they had some place and someone to hold that baby. Right. They brought right. the baby. Why anyway. did they bring the baby? Did they bring the baby as a as a point, like you thought? Like was that a plan? 
Yeah. I well, it, that's all I can think of. There's no reason otherwise to bring that baby. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. There's no need for that baby to be to be outside of uh, the hilltop. They yeah. had a place. They could have just <laughs> left the mom and the baby here. Well, right? exactly. Take, take somebody else. Take take. Yeah. Anybody else. Somebody who doesn't have a baby. Yeah. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Finally, Damien in Virginia writes, holy crap, Alpha and big badass Beta are scary as fuck. And Daryl coming in with the Whisperer mask to save Henry. Man, I can't wait until the next episode to see Daryl and Beta duke it out. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's fine and all, but... Oh yeah, they're going to have a fight if uh, if Carol and Alpha are going to be uh, getting into it, which they better start that plot line soon if we're going to get anything cool out of it. Yep. Uh, then Daryl and Beta. I think that's... Uh, that's a good one. It might be, but Beta's a big badass, as uh, Damien said. I think he could beat the crap out of Daryl. Yeah, but Daryl's got a ranged weapon. I Beta know. does not. I know. Beta but, has a knife. Uh, fair enough. But I think in a fist fight, I don't know. Like, if Darryl, why would Daryl get into a fist fight? Yeah, I guess. He'd have to put his crossbow down and tell Dog to be still and then walk over and get into a fist fight. Why would he do that? He wouldn't do that. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Dog's going to save him. If he does get into a hand-to-hand fight with Beta... He's, it's going to look like he's about to get his head smashed in and then dog's going to come out of nowhere and latch on to Beta's arm and save Daryl. Give him just enough time to get away and hopefully survive himself. Holy crap. I don't want dog to die. Right. And by arm, you mean balls. I assume. Of course. It's exactly what I meant. Every time okay. I say arm, I mean balls. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Jason, it sounds like this wasn't your favorite episode. It, it, I don't, I don't know if I'd agree with that. It was okay. I never really thought of it in terms of I liked it, I didn't like it. Okay. Honestly. You're sort of just, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things to point out that are overarching problems with some of these storylines for you. And it's funny, I, I kind of did like this episode, but after talking about it to you for the last hour and whatever, I think my opinion of it has gone down a little bit. And well, and my, I, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not trying to say you're, you're, uh, having a negative effect on my uh, appreciation for things, but eh, maybe a little. <laughs> well, here, here's my problem is I, okay. So honestly, until this very second, I did not think of it in terms of like versus dislike. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, honest, uh, finding shit to nitpick about is fun. So okay, fair. I, there's no reason why I wouldn't enjoy finding problems with this episode. So mm -hmm. this is why I have a problem with, uh, like, I nitpick everything. Yes. Like, uh, you can nitpick Raiders of the Lost Ark for crying out loud. Like, Indiana Jones has no agency in that movie whatsoever. He just reacts to shit and has no bearing on the outcome. Hmm. Whatever. <laughs> it's still a good movie. Sure. Or you know, Marty McFly and uh, Doc Brown. Why are they friends? I don't know. Doesn't matter. No, right? it definitely doesn't matter and because uh, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> exactly. So uh, there's all kinds of things to nitpick in great fucking movies, and it's fun to uh, to do that. So uh, I'm sorry that I made you enjoy the movie or the, the television show episode a little bit less. I don't think I did. But then again, I didn't think of it in terms of like or dislike. I just, this stuff was on the screen. Mm -hmm. and some of it bugged me and some of it I liked. Well- I think this episode was a big old information dump. I mean, they were giving us more information about the Whisperers camp and their culture and how they do things. Turned out to be kind of dumb, but they were giving us that information. 
Yeah. They, they gave us a lot more information about the dynamic of things at Alexandria, you know, lots of conversations with people standing around talking, just, you know, explaining things, which can be bad. I don't think it was bad in this case because I did find most of it fascinating or interesting. Um, but it was a lot of that. So a bit of a information catch up, if you will, and probably for the purpose of setting things up for the rest of the season, um, to give us an idea of where everybody's at, how they're feeling, how they do things and why, you know, that that, the way that's going to impact whatever comes next. Right. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, they just better bring the Carol, uh, alpha plot line in. Because I really want that, and they better get on it. Yeah, but I sort of thought that was all predicated on the fact that Henry would be a prisoner for a while. And what it seems like is he's already been rescued. So she doesn't have to go in to get her son back because Daryl did it for her. Right. Right. So it could still happen. Who knows? I don't know where this is all going to end up, but let's hope we still get a Carol Alpha showdown of Ultimate Destiny. but. Yeah, well, we have this. We'll have the same problem that we've always had with Carol. She can't get directly involved because as soon as she does, she kicks everybody's ass and just kills everybody that's a bad guy. Right? Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> like, remember that time she left, and then those people uh, grabbed her in her car outside, and she had started shooting them from her sleeves. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. She had her sleeve guns. That's right. She killed everybody. Yeah, it's true. Right? So you can't bring Carol in. Yeah, you're bringing Alpha to a Carol fight. You can't do that. She's just too powerful. Anyways, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see where it goes. People are excited about some kind of showdown. So, yeah. All righty. That is going to do it for our podcast this week. We'll be back again later this week to read your comments and questions and feedback about the episode. So by all means, send all that in. That happens on Thursday nights and, uh, you know, expect that later this week in the meantime though thank you so much if you'd like to get in contact with us to send that feedback you can do so by visiting our website talkingdeadpodcast.com and recording a voicemail right there by clicking on send voicemail on the top you can also send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com um, and any other audio recordings that you want to do of your thoughts and feelings, including title reads. So uh, if you want to get a title read in for next week, you can, of course, send that in to the email address. Find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. And as season nine approaches the end here, I know we still have a few episodes to go. Um, by all means, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes. That is a wonderful way to, you know, help them take notice and maybe feature us. And they like to do that as, you know, big episodes come up and as we approach the end of the season, you know, they'll consider the season finale a big episode. So leave us a rating if you don't mind and a comment. That would be wonderful. I check them out once in a while. Um, and like I said, good way to, to help signal boost the show, if you will. Um, all right. Thank you so much, everyone. Until later this week with the Feedback Show, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.